sun and rain Faith and fear um, More than half of the island has no running clean water um, and it's just, it's really the devastation. Everybody's lost something, right? Everybody lost a car, everybody lost a business, everybody lost half of their house, everybody's lost something. Unfortunately, lives have been lost, people that are still unaccounted for. Um, so it's, as, as people have been kind of crying for the last 48 hours, it truly is a humanitarian crisis. Carlos Rodriguez is a pastor in North Carolina. He was born and raised in Puerto Rico, and he's the author of the brand new and brilliant book called Drop the Stones. I had a great conversation with Carlos about his book, uh, about his life, and especially about Puerto Rico. And as you're gonna hear, uh, Carlos is putting together a team of people to get water filters down to Puerto Rico, uh, because one of the biggest dangers right now and in the months to come is gonna be access to clean water. So you're gonna hear about ways that you can help in bringing clean water to Puerto Rico. Uh, but I hope you, so I hope you uh, get involved with that, and I hope you really enjoy this conversation with Carlos. He's got, he's hilarious, he's got such a tender and generous spirit, and I think you're going to love him. So enjoy the conversation with Carlos, and then go out and grab his book called Drop the Stones. It's beautiful, beautiful. Enjoy. Well, I'm here with Carlos Rodriguez, uh, author of this brand new book, Drop the Stones. Hi, Carlos. How are you, my friend? I'm so good, and I'm so glad to be here with you, my brother. Well, I've really been looking forward to this, man. I know we've been going back and forth and trying to figure out a time. Uh, when you sent me your book, I uh, started to dive into it, and you guys, Carlos's writing is so compelling. It's like you're oh, sitting... You. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're sitting in a coffee shop just kind of talking as you tell your stories. Good. And, um, you know, I think the subject matter too right now just of, you know, what does it mean to leave a lifestyle of judgment mm -hmm. uh, and pursue Jesus and mercy and compassion and peace is just so needed right now. So Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's been... It's crazy because I, as I started to write it, I was really starting... I was writing my blog. So a lot of the components in the book... Not a lot, but some of the components in the book, you know, come from three years of writing and verbally processing, really, um, but just in public. Uh, I, you know, in my kind of charismatic Pentecostal tradition, we really have a, there's been this strong sense of, you know, the man of God kind of declares victory and the anointing is all over you and you can overcome and all that is so good. And I love that, but we've been kind of afraid of sharing process and vulnerability and, you know, demonstrating that we are actually human beings who need Jesus and need each other. So what happened is about four years ago, I had a, you know, kind of a major faith crisis. My marriage was in crisis, even though my ministry was like succeeding and I'm traveling and I'm writing my first book and I'm doing book signings and all that, you know, all the stuff we all want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then when I got it, it was just a mess. I was a mess in the middle of it. So anyways, all that to say that, Really, the book started about four years ago in my heart as I was verbally processing, writing, you know, processing and writing more than anything and then sharing that with others. And I was so surprised how people connected to that because I always assumed they wanted to hear the end of the story. You know, yeah. I used to have this issue, but now I am so much better and you can be so much better, too. Well, actually, no, I'm in the issue right now. Actually, I'm in the darkest place of this issue. And, you know, this is this is what God is saying in the middle of it. This is how I'm processing it. This is how I'm failing, how I'm succeeding. 
and people just really connected to that. So, you know, the whole message of drop the stones, that story of Jesus and Johnny, when the woman was caught in the act of adultery and Jesus makes that incredible invitation that's probably as famous outside of the church as it is inside of the church. Whoever's free of sin cast the first stone. Really, it started with me not stoning myself, with me learning to love myself, and then how that shifted um, my mentality of how I was judging others and mistreating others. And, you know, from myself to my wife to my church to my enemies to everybody I hated on TV to everybody I loved, et cetera, et cetera. So it's been a long journey, beautiful journey, painful journey, but that's where it came out of. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit of that backstory. Uh, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you because in chapter eight, you yeah. talk about uh, how your platform was getting bigger and bigger. You were getting invited to speak uh, mm -hmm. various different countries. Uh, and you had this quote um, that I that I just I underlined: um, "The bigger the platform, the bigger my blind spot." Yeah. And then, as you prayed about it, I think you know, and your wife was uh, asking you to make mm -hmm. some changes, and yeah. um, and then I think you you felt like God or someone was telling you, Carlos, you're the problem. Mm -hmm. Oh, everybody was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was um, one of those times in life where everybody is in agreement. Um, my pastors, my wife, my friends, my family, my enemies, um, and God. And it, it was a liberating thing to realize, actually, I do have these blind spots and I am failing in these areas. And for some reason, I just... I don't know, kind of fell into this victim mentality, like, you know, the church is just too demanding and my wife is not understanding. And, you know, um, I, I don't know how I fell into that, but I, I had these blinders on where everybody else was the problem except me. So it was liberating to get confirmation from multiple sources that actually in this area, I was the problem and I needed some healing and I needed to take a break and I needed to go to counseling and I needed dot, 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 which eventually I ended up there, not by like, an amazing, you know, humility, but <laughs> dragged to that place of brokenness. Yeah. And in that place of brokenness, we all get dragged there sometime in our lives. And it's whether we make the choice to stay in the mud or, you know, allow the father to wash us there and to restore us. Wow. I love that you said that the first step you had to take was to drop, drop the stones and stop judging yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, that I, to me, that's so important because I think you can even go on that journey of dropping the stones and, and not being judgmental. But if you're still being judgmental to yourself, it, it, it seems like you're just going to try real hard to not judge until that try hard muscle fails. Mm -hmm, uh, and then sure. you're going to be right back where you started. Um, for sure. So. Yeah. 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 I really feel, and I wrote about in, in the middle of the book, I kind of get into that, just specifics of judging yourself how do you see yourself how does god see you and how can you align your heart your thoughts um with what he's already said and what he's currently saying and what he will continue to say um about about us so it, i do believe with all of my heart that the more i hear pain and anger and bitterness and racism it's not an excuse obviously for all those behaviors and i've, I've had to learn that myself i can't make an excuse for my own godly patterns or ungodly um you know thoughts or whatever. But there is obviously a root of pain of hating yourself, you know, people that hate, there's no doubt about it. They they have some deep hatred towards themselves, towards 
who they are, their parents, how they were born, the, their skin color, the, the place of it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there, there is statistics are telling us this is the most depressed generation. Um, there's more suicide in, in teenagers and, um, you know, millennials than there's ever been in any other generation in America. So we have this kind of false, false reality of relationship because of social media, which is lying to us, making us feel like we are in community when we're not. We're actually really lonely, really broken. And in that brokenness, we're not getting the help we actually need. So learning to love ourselves, learning to see ourselves. I, I love that verse that so many people quote, there's Facebook posts about it. There's nice little images with flowers, you know, that say, I am fearfully, wonderfully made, which is amazing. It's obviously um, David confessing something about himself, but he declares at the end of that, he says, and my soul knows this very well. And I think that's what we're missing is my soul knows this very well. Um, we know the Bible verse really well, but we actually don't know it at a soul level, at a level that actually transforms us and, and not just us, but even more how we see others and actually realizing they're fearfully and wonderfully made. My soul knows this very well, that Steve is fearfully and wonderfully made, that my wife is fearfully and wonderfully made, that this person that I'm hating with all of my guts is fearfully and wonderfully made. Oh, man, I love that. And I've never seen it that way before. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my soul knows this very well. Um, mm -hmm. versus my mind or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or I've, I've memorized it or whatever. That is so good. Um, yeah. I want to get back to drop the stones in a bit. Sure. But Carlos, you were born and raised in Puerto Rico. So, uh, and obviously, uh, huge devastation right now that's happening. But before we get to that, what was life like for you growing up in Puerto Rico? Oh, amazing and crazy and wild. Puerto Ricans were like, we're like experts in extremes, you know. Somebody gets saved in Puerto Rico, they are literally the greatest Christian that has ever lived. <laughs> but if so, and then if they backslide, they're the greatest backslidden person <laughs> in the history of the nation. We're like we're we love to dance, we love to be loud, we love to do family. Um, so I was I was brought up in a pretty broken home. My, both my parents in their second marriages, um, but still in all the brokenness, there was all this love and all this. Um, desire to be together and to kind of push through the madness um, just for the sake of family. So we have a huge value in family, which I constantly tell my American friends, my Anglo-Saxon, Caucasian, you know, um, Western world friends, Latin America is coming to you. We're a gift to this nation. We're a gift to the West because we're we're here to teach you how to do food really well, how to do really long dinners, how to do family in the middle of like divorce and brokenness, how to like prioritize family. So and that, that, that was, that was my life, you know? Um, so it was a pretty broken home, but a lot of love, a lot of acceptance. And it was at 13 years old that I got saved. Billy Graham crusade in Puerto Rico in 1995. No way. Oh yeah. Classic North Carolina. Um, send me Billy Graham and now I'm here being a pastor in North Carolina. Um, yeah, I was one of those guys that goes to the front with really not much knowledge of the gospel or any shape or form. Um, and it wasn't just that Billy preached a good message because it was a kind of okay sermon, yeah. um, but the conviction that came and the person that stood next to me, which of course, because it worked in my life, I have a huge value for it. Those guys in the crusades that, you know, stand next to the person and pray with them. And that guy reached out to me for months. I mean, he would call wow. me, he would read the Bible with me. He would, I would get to ask him any questions. Um, so, you know, I see the value in that, of course. And that began my journey of following Jesus, of learning um, what it is to be a, a, a follower, a believer, and, 
yeah, it's been ever since. I've never looked back since that day, 13 years old, in the midst of a lot of madness in my family, a lot of craziness, separation, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, Jesus found me, and it's been the best thing ever. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so what are you, re what are you hearing from family and friends about what it's really like in Puerto Rico right mm -hmm. now after the hurricane? Yeah. yeah. So we're recording this. I'm sitting in the bathroom because uh, my parents are here. I remember I told you they're loud, right? So my parents are here. <laughs> um, they were actually here for my book release just last week. So we had planned for them to be here. And then on the Wednesday, the hurricane hit. Um, and you know, they haven't been able to fly back. Obviously the airport is madness. Um, pretty much 95% of the Island has no electricity. Some people have, you know, um, power generators, et cetera. Um, more than half of the Island has no running clean water. Um, and it's just, it's really the devastation. Everybody's lost something, right? Everybody lost a car. Everybody lost a business. Everybody lost half of their house. Everybody's lost something. Unfortunately, lives have been lost. People that are still unaccounted for. Um, so it's as, as people have been kind of crying for the last 48 hours, it truly is a humanitarian crisis. Yeah. And the problem is, um, not just what's happening now, but what's going to happen in the next month. Because no running water means people start drinking dirty water. People start, um, you know, the desperation is, you know, how can I get food? How can I get gas? Um, so even for those power generators, for those, uh, you need electricity, you need XR, you need gas, you need diesel. So uh, food is running out. Unfor you know, fortunately, we're a beautiful island. Unfortunately, being an island, you can't just drive out right. to the next spot. So people are stuck. They feel stuck. The airport is madness. So. Man, it's really sad. I fortunately I've spoken to all of my immediate family. Everybody's safe, um, trying their best to you know kind of push through the craziness right now. But there's a lot of people that are really, really struggling. Well, thanks for sharing that. And I know Carlos, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast now was because you're actually doing something about it. Could you explain what you're doing <laughs> sure. and how we can help? And I'm going to put you guys. I'm going to put a link to this on the show notes, but I just want to say, just go to steveweens.com slash show notes, uh, in order to get it, or just click in the, um, the body of the, um, of the podcast, yeah. this good word. So go so ahead good. and tell us, tell us what's going on. So good. Thank you so much, brother, for that. And for everybody that is, you know, I've actually seen the kind of lack of attention that's been getting and yet at the same time so many people reaching out to me hey how can we help what can yeah. we do so two days three days after the hurricane i got a call from a friend he leads a ministry called impact nations and my nonprofit called happy sonship we decided to partner because he's done this before they're experts at this they've been doing it for many years actually they um when there was typhoons in the philippines when there's been um, floods in peru when there's been any kind of disaster similar to this where there's no access to water immediate access to water there's tons of water because of the rains but there's no access to clean water they have these water filters um, that can turn pretty much any water apart from water that has like literal toxics you know yeah. in it um, it can turn that water into 99.9 percent .9 pure drinkable clean water so there are these kind of small water filters we're planning to we were planning to take 300 of them um, the company that produces them, they're going to charge us $65. We just heard yesterday they're going to charge us $13 each, so even below their own cost, oh, wow. Wow. which is amazing. So we're able to take – we're going to be able to take around 750. Um, they can give water to 100 people every day. 
So wow. you can imagine the reach that this can have. We want to obviously kind of go past the metro area because as as it happens in most places of disasters, closer to the airport you are, the closest you are to the things that you have in need. So we're going to go kind of go bypass that and get to our friends and family that are in the areas of most need and just bring these water filters because, again, for most people, at least three months without electricity and running water. So this will be an incredible help for people. Um, elderly homes, shelters, there's there's like 20,000 people in shelters right now. Yeah. So anything you guys give, is literally, it's going to be a small team. I got two engineers who are coming with me. And anything you guys give will go straight to buying filters, buying the buckets where you can connect the filters um, and the ability for us to go around the island, connect with churches, with shelters and connect with families, community leaders and just provide these water filters that can just be so helpful in this time of just, you know, dire need. Oh, man, that's so amazing. So um, obviously you can go in the show notes, but also I assume, Carlos, if they just go to happysunship.com. Yeah. If they go to happysunship.com, all the information, it's kind of like the first image that you see, Puerto Rico Relief, and you have a link that shows you what the water filters are, how we've used them in the past in other nations, and then it'll show you a video of what is happening in Puerto Rico, and obviously the link to just straight um, to our MPO, our nonprofit organization link, where you can give 100% of the donations are tax deductible, so you'll get a tax donation receipt at the end of the year, um, you know, and we will make sure to put... Um, every cent to good use. Uh, if you're giving to the Puerto Rico Relief Fund at Happy Sunship, it'll go towards our trip, um, towards water filters, the buckets, um, and being able to take the people, the engineers that can then train the community leaders on how to do this. It's a simple process, and we want to obviously reach as many people as possible. Oh, that's great. So Happy Sunship, H-A-P-P-Y-S-O-N-S-H-I-P.com. That's it. Happy sunship. And um, so now, uh, so please, everybody, uh, give what you can. If it's one filter, if it's five filters, if it's 10 filters, uh, give what you can. And let's let's get some clean water to our brothers mm-hmm. and sisters in Puerto yes, Rico. Yes, so uh, Happy Sunship is this amazing nonprofit that you started that I got in touch with maybe three or four months ago. I started okay. listening to your podcast um, recently, and I actually got I, – I showed it to you before we started the podcast, but my iPhone cover – uh, says love thy neighbor, love thy homeless neighbor, thy Muslim neighbor, thy black neighbor, thy gay neighbor, thy immigrant neighbor, no, thy Jewish not neighbor. All those thy... No, <laughs> no, that's way stop too many it. people. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> Just quit it. Um, <laughs> so, so you started this uh, this nonprofit, and you sell T-shirts and iPhone covers. Mm-hmm. And where does that money go? And where did you get the idea to start that nonprofit? Yeah, so super long story short, as I as my blog was growing, um, you know, four years ago, as I started to do it, and people are reading articles, and you know, it was kind of crazy. Three years ago, I had some articles that was, you know, three three million people yeah. uh, in six months reading all the different articles and um, people sharing about it. So it was good because it started conversation. But I was constantly convicted that the conversations were not leading into action. So I appreciated the platform to talk about things, whether it was LGBTQ issues, whether it was immigration, um, whether it was about some Hollywood star getting saved, whether it was real or not. Or, you know, I, I would write what I would do is whatever is trending on social media, that's what people are talking about. Well, let me utilize us as a tool to talk about the grace of God, the love of God, the ways of Jesus, 
Um, so, you know, everything, everything, we could talk about everything at Happy Sonship and people appreciated that, connected to that. A lot of people criticized it and complained about it. Yeah. You know, I kind of paid it. I paid price because of the conversations that I've started. Um, but about a year and a half ago, the conviction was so real. Okay, we actually need to do some stuff. If I'm going to write about refugees, then how can people at the end of reading this article, whether they got convicted or annoyed, how can they respond with some action? So um, I started to, you know, start connect with different ministries, different nonprofits, and then just felt like, okay, I have some desires in my heart um, to do a children's home in Peru, for example, which we have already called Casa de Paz, Home of Peace. Um, I have a desire to help other families who are adopting because my wife and I are literally at the end of our adoption process. We're adopting a baby girl from Ethiopia. Wow. And knowing that journey, I'm like, how can I help others in that journey? Um, and then a prison ministry, which is one of my favorite things to do in the world. I do it on a, on a weekly basis. How can I help others? Um, and how can others help us as we're reaching into prisons, as we're reconnecting prisoners with their families, with their children, um, in this message of love and grace. So all that to say, started the blog, convicted to, you know, make calls to action and then convicted to myself, take responsibility for that and be able to provide platforms where people can do, can give and, you know, I'm all about that list on Matthew 25. It seems like Jesus made it just so clear. Um, in Matthew 25, he talks about the final judgment. That's kind of the, <laughs> it's amazing how we gave these titles to these parables. Yeah. That Jesus didn't give those titles, but it's called the final judgment. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the middle of Matthew 25. And it's really an invitation from Jesus when you clothe the naked, when you give water to the thirsty, which is what we're doing in Puerto Rico, when you give water, when you get food to the hungry, when you visit the prisoner, and when you welcome the stranger, that list is so specific. Whatever you do to the least of these, you do to me. So I'm like, what if we live for that list? What if we were like, okay, Jesus gave us the list. Jesus gave us a target audience. I love reading about marketing, whatever. I'm like, you're always looking for your target audience. Jesus gave us a target audience. Um, and number one, the target audience is him. Yeah. <laughs> and if I visit prisoners, I'm, I'm going to him. If I feed the hungry, I'm feeding him. And if I give water to the thirsty, I'm giving water to him. So that became Happy Sonship as a nonprofit. So again, we have a children's home in Peru. We do an adoption fund to help families who are adopting. And we do prison ministry on a weekly basis here in North Carolina. And whatever you buy at our store, thehappygivers.com, um, whatever you read, whenever you read something, whenever you share something, you're supporting all the work that we're doing through Happy Sunship. Oh, it's so good. It I is love good. It. I love it. <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> it, it. It is really good. And I love, um, I love this pivot that you did from discussing issues to mm -hmm. moving people to action. Mm -hmm. uh, that's so important. Um, and you do it in such a winsome, uh, beautiful way, Carlos. So thanks Thank for that. You. Hey, let's, um, let's talk about your book, drop the stones. Uh, one of the, one of the endorsements I love was from Jonathan Martin. And he said, if Kendrick Lamar went to seminary and wrote an album full of bars about the gospel, I'm pretty sure this is what it would sound like this book, drop the stones amazing boom uh so uh you already talked a little bit about what you wrote it or why you wrote it uh can you share the story that you start with about speaking to the inmates and the transformation that happened in you as you did that yeah so man i i, I found myself doing really well in church doing really well in conferences and events uh, but being continually drawn to does this actually work in the real world? 
Um, does it work in high schools? Does it work in prisons? Does it work at, you know, um, at detention centers, et cetera, et cetera. So long story short, I got an invitation to go to a maximum security prison in Puerto Rico. And as I, as I wrote in the book, um, it was my second time there. And, you know, these guys, they, they didn't look like they were too happy to see me. And as I was preaching, I could sense the room more than I could sense the Holy Spirit. And by that, I mean, I could sense kind of the, uh, this is not really going anywhere. They're not laughing at my jokes, which are really, really good jokes. They're not really responding to my incredible preaching, which is really, really good preaching, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, I was faced with um, how much the bubble in the church kind of had not lied to me, but created this persona about myself that was so safe, but it wasn't that real. And in the middle of that kind of like, ah, uncomfortableness, uh, I really sensed the voice of the father asking me to tell the men who had sexually abused their daughters in the room that he forgave them. And as I write in the book, you know, I have this discussion, this argument with God about the reasons why I shouldn't do that. Um, the main reason being I don't agree with him, like he shouldn't forgive. Like there's got to be some lines. There's got to be a limit to this message of grace. There's got to be a limit. And to me, that would be an appropriate limit. Uh, but he kept telling me to say it. And eventually I did. It was a moment of um, weakness where I agreed with God <laughs> and his version of the gospel. And when I said that for the men in the room who have sexually abused their daughters, I want you to know that God, the father forgives you all this in Spanish, of course. Um, there was an incredible reaction and, you know, I encourage everybody to get the book. Even if you don't buy the whole book, you can actually at, on dropthestones.com, you can download the forward, the intro on that first chapter and read the story of what happened. And that changed my life. It literally changed my view of God and it changed my view of others. And that began a long journey of starting to see people, the ones that to me, shoot, we should draw a line. Like that's the limit right there. Yeah, you know, yeah. like God couldn't really love those people. If he loved them, he loved them from afar. Yeah. And if he loves them, then somebody else is called to reach them, not me. not me. And he just started to destroy all those paradigms and all those excuses. And I'm still in that journey, man. I'm still wow. challenged almost on a daily basis on how to love, who to love and why we need to love. Well, and some of the some of the reactions of the men that you wrote about, um, mm -hmm. you know, forgive me, and then they would say the names of their daughters, and um, just yeah, it was one of the most powerful sounds. I mean, even thinking about it, writing about it, I could almost feel the shaking in my heart as this dad after I said that, which was, and I told them, I want you to know that God the Father uh, forgives you. Uh, for sexually abusing your daughter. I mean, yeah. just saying it, it still feels uncomfortable, man. Yeah. Like that's like so many years ago, I'm telling the story still like, ah, does, does he really do that? Yeah. Is he really that good? Would he really forgive? But that's not fair. That's not just. Um, but one of the fathers literally stood up as I said that and screamed out loud, Maria, Maria, perdoname. Maria being his daughter's name and perdoname means forgive me in Spanish. And that began kind of a wave of repentance in the room. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and probably the greatest church service I've ever been to in my life with the most fruit, the most conviction, um, the most sense of God's presence and the most fruit, you know, out of that, it was incredible. Yeah. And you also write so sensitively in the book about you immediately do this pivot to, Hey, if you're reading this book and you've been sexually abused, you, mm -hmm. you name the tension of that and, and how, yeah. um, difficult that might even be to read. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know what? I right now it, I'm conscious of the audience that has been abused. I mean, the statistics are telling us that one out of every four women women in the world, uh, at least in the West, where they've done the studies, one out of every four has been sexually abused in some shape or form. Um, that's just way too high, man. Yeah, that's just way too high. And for so many children, unfortunately, in Latin America, um, there's, you know, I get to do a lot of events, meetings, conferences and share some of these stories. And, and constantly I get people at the end coming to me. Um, but what about me? What about, you know, what my dad did or my uncle did? And, you know, it breaks my heart every time. And I don't I, I honestly don't have the correct answer in any shape or form. I just know without a shadow of a doubt, I know that God loves everybody, that he loves the abused and he loves the abuser and that Jesus made an invitation for us to love that way. And that the best freedom that's available is to forgive. Um, I'm not saying that that makes an excuse for these horrible behaviors and these horrible sins. Sometimes forgiveness really is starts as a selfish act. Like this is the best thing I can do for me is to forgive, to let go, to get some healing. And I know it did for me with some of the abuse I experienced when I was a child. I needed some counseling. I needed some ministry and I needed a lot of patience. Um, I, I, I sometimes get annoyed when we use the message of forgiveness as a kind of like patch, like just forgive and get right. over it. You know, right. no, 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 no. It's a journey. It's a beautiful and painful journey. And as long as it needs to take, people need to take that journey. But yeah, I'm constantly battling that tension between the grace of God towards the abuser and the forgiveness and the grace of God towards you know, the person who has been abused. So, so, and right now I'm doing a workshop on, on the book, drop the stones first workshop I'm doing, uh, you know, since the book came out and it's a, with 40 men at the maximum security prison, federal prison here in um, North Carolina. And even for them, it was a trigger to read that story. Yeah. Um, because both, some of them have been abused, which is why they have so much anger, so much rage. And then some of them were the abusers and they've confessed that to me personally. So, yeah. I mean, for, I'm not saying there's no way that this is an easy conversation, but it's a conversation that needs to be had for the sake of everybody. Well, and that's why I thank you so much for doing it so graciously and so well in your book thank and you, even, sir. even right now. So it's a, it's an important voice. And, you know, it occurs to me, some of these guys that you're doing this workshop with, you know, maybe many, it's both. They've been abused oh, yeah. and oh, they yeah. have abused, you know, so, um, oh, we yeah. know that that's a pretty high correlation. Um, yes. You wrote another story in the book that I absolutely loved about a guy named Robert who started going to your mm-hmm. church and then something that happened between him and your wife that was mm-hmm. pretty spectacular. Could you tell that story? I, I don't of want course, you to give away the whole course. book, but I mean, some of these stories yeah, are just no, 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 so no, no. beautiful. I'll give you the whole book. I'm working, I'm actually um, doing the audio version right now. So I'm recording all the chapters myself. And oh, good. Sometimes I have to stop because I get reminded of these yeah. beautiful images of grace and how much power we have to transform people's lives. And what happened with Robert is he's a homeless man. Um, you know, the guy that would stand on the street light just before we got to church and he would ask for money. We would always try to be kind to him and give him more than a quarter, you know, a dollar. That's what a good Christian does. Not just a quarter, but a full dollar. Um, yes. and, but still we weren't doing enough or, or we weren't doing what was required, but another couple at the church, they decided, okay, we're going to stop inviting him to church. We're going to be the church to him. So they would take him to the doctor. They would allow him in their home. They would feed him. He would use their shower. He would stay with them. And eventually he was like, of course, I'm going to go to church with them. Whatever they do on Sunday, I'm going to join them. And when he started to come, I was still under this 
kind of facade of I'm so welcoming. I'm going to welcome Robert, but man, his smell, honestly, he, I mean, he lived on the streets and, yeah. um, even when he had access to people's homes, he's still, you know, he's just on the, on the, on the street for four days and drinking. And so I tried my best in my religious efforts to lead Robert to the, you know, the sinner's prayer, like if it was some magical solution for all his problems <laughs> and, just trying my best to kind of correct his behavior and trying to help him help himself, dot, dot, dot. But in one of the meetings, he was at the front. He responded to one of the, you know, invitations from the pastor. And my wife went over to him and she was, we were living in Puerto Rico. She's from England. She was struggling with her Spanish. So she, she barely understood what was going on. So she took advantage of those times to hear God's voice. And she really felt God telling her to go hug Robert. And he was a tall man. My wife is, you know, she's 5'8", but he was like 6'6". So she kind of asked him permission and she got on her tiptoes and then just gave him a hug and squeezed him for at least 20 minutes, if not more. Wow. Just hugged him and held to him. And uh, he was particularly smelly that day. This is just the truth. Yeah. And my wife just held on to Robert and loved him and just he we didn't see him after that day. After that hug, we never saw Robert again. But the, there was a social worker at the church that was working with Robert, and she told us, and she would bring us message like voice voicemail messages and um, letters that he would write to us. And every time uh, she would tell us, Robert tells you, and here's the message. It was the hug. It was Catherine's hug. He went back to his family that day. He reconnected with his family. They got him into a, a treatment center. Um, he got into a program. He actually used to be a lawyer. Um, and you know, he started to recover and he was clean. He was, um, not drinking anymore and everything because of that one long hug that my wife gave him and his life was completely changed. So yeah, we need to get back to the ministry of hugs, long hugs <laughs> yeah. to the people that are the most, you know, the, the most broken around us. Well, even as you, even as you're saying that, I, I now recognize that's your, that's your email, uh, that's your email departure, Always. you know, instead of like, you know, blessings or, you know, yeah. thanks, you, you say hugs. That's great. Always hugs. Yeah. That's fantastic. Because <laughs> I know how powerful they are, the potential that they have to transform people. I've seen it. I mean, dramatically seen it. Well, especially 20 minute hugs. I mean, I, I'm, I'm from Minnesota, Carlos, you know, we're, <laughs> we're Swedish, we're, you know, uh, <laughs> most people up here don't even like being hugged. If you, yeah. and our church is a hugging church, man. We go in for mm -hmm. the hug, you know, so some people mm -hmm. are like, oh. and you can always tell the people that are sort of like, oh, no. But I mean, a 20-minute hug to a homeless man. Yeah, because it's almost like the first two, three minutes is just uncomfortable, like, Okay, yeah. this is a bit too long. Yeah. Then five minutes into it, it's like, okay, something's happening. Yeah. By minute 20, literally a life was completely transformed. It's and it's not like she was praying or prophesying or declaring words over him. She was just hugging him. And everything changed for Robert. And it changed for me too. Seeing that was like, okay, wait a minute. Um, it's not because, again, as a pastor preacher, I thought, well, the ultimate thing is for me to go and deliver an amazing sermon and yeah. people will respond to that sermon and then whatever. But actually, just those little acts of love um, that can have such an impact in somebody's life. So hmm. um, that's the encouragement for all of us to find the people that are broken and, you know, and the other encouragement is to quit with the side hugs. That's got to be the most ungodly <laughs> thing 
ever created by Christianity. <laughs> it's just so ungodly. <laughs> Quit with the side hugs. Oh, that's great. Oh, man. The gospel according to Robert. I love it. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, one more question, man. Uh, one of the uh, one of the lines you threw into your book, which is really actually poignant, you do it in mm-hmm. such a such a uh, sweet way. But you say much of much of Western Christianity loves the name of Jesus because we can be saved, but not the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Why don't you riff mm-hmm. a little bit more about that? And not, I mean, you've been talking about that the whole time, but um, give sure. a, give a little more emphasis to that. Yeah, I, I I honestly believe there is, you know, there is a journey in the in the ways of salvation, uh, and there is salvation in the ways of Christ. And we talk about do the sinner's prayer. And again, I fully believe in that because I did the classic evangelical walk down the bleachers to the front at a Billy Graham crusade, prayed the sinner's prayer, and my whole life was changed. You know, so <laughs> I'm in no shape or form denying that. The problem is we seem to be stuck in that first step yeah. when, again, come and follow me includes many, many steps. Um, would that be the first step? Of course. But come and follow me, which is Jesus said, Jesus didn't say, you know, come and pray this prayer, come and pray this prayer and then start going to church. No, he said, come and follow me. Yeah. And if you look through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, then there's a picture of how to follow him. And if we're following the way that he's walking, well, he's walking towards the people with leprosy and touching them and healing them. And he's walking towards Samaria where people wouldn't walk through. And he's meeting with this woman, you know, who's looking for the right thing, love, but in the wrong places, her five husbands, and finds, you know, Jesus goes to her and finds her and turns her into an amazing evangelist, like immediately. You know, that's school of ministry done. She doesn't yeah. have to go to Bethel or catch the fire or any of these. <laughs> like, she got trained by encountering Jesus at the well, you know. <sighs> and again, I, I, I'm saying that as a person who went to a school of ministry. So I see the value and I was an intern and, and that. But that's part of the walking. That's part of the yeah. following. So if we get stuck in one of the steps, sinner's prayer step or, you know, being a small group leader step, then we're going to miss out to walking the, the full journey of Jesus, which eventually leads us to the broken, the poor, the hurting, the hungry, multiplying the bread and the fish, making disciples of all nations. So, yeah, I, I've been convicted. Again, most of what I try to do in the book, I tried my absolute best to not call out anything without first calling it out on myself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if there's any prejudice that I need to call out, it's because I'm calling it out in me. If there's any love of money that I need to call out, I'll call it in me. If there's any laziness, procrastination that I need to call out, I first do it with me because that's the truth. It's, it's my issue. Um, there, these are my problems. So I'm aware that I like the name of Jesus for me because it saves me. Yeah. I like the God of the New Testament for me. Uh, but for other people, that's, you know, the God of the old, <laughs> yeah. especially for the people I don't like. Yeah. Um, and and I've, I've had to learn that salvation is a journey. Um, it's the journey of following Christ, following the ways of Jesus. And his ways are clear. Like I said about Matthew 25, there's not like a theological debate here. His ways are very, very clear. The way he lived his life is very evident. There's I mean, there's I don't know how, who you how you can question that. We can kind of question his parables, and he said, you know, about his parables, sometimes they were kind of like mysterious, and some of his disciples got it, and some of them didn't. Um, but his ways are so clear. Yeah. You go and you touch the person who's broken, you go and you lift the one who's on the floor, you open the eyes of the blind, 
And again, as a good Pentecostal charismatic, it is very clear the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me <laughs> not to sell more books, yeah. not to start more churches, not to get on TV. The spirit of the Lord, sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, yeah. to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty those who are captive and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. So the anointing has a purpose and yeah. the ways of Christ demonstrate what that purpose is. Man. Amen. Now you're preaching, baby. Now you're preaching. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, let's take up an offering. Right I, love now. <laughs> yeah, right. I love it. I love Pass it. The buckets. I love it. Um, you know, uh, I love your spirit. It's so gentle and yet so Thanks, convicting man. and compelling. So um, thank you. Thank you, my friend. Um, I am going to... So here's the deal, folks. Uh, again, go to happysonship.com. And please give to the to the efforts yeah. in Puerto Rico so we can get yes, as please. many as many water filters there as possible. So yes. do that. Thank you. Um, pick up Carlos's book. It's called Drop the Stones. It just came out. You can get it anywhere you buy books. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's so good. Uh, and Thank also, you, so I'm going to give away a copy. So if you uh, if you just email me, Steve at steveweens.com and say, if you're the first person to do that, I will uh, send you a copy of Drop the Stones because I think it's that good. It's beautiful. So nice. it's, it's amazing. And um, if you want to check out happygivers.com too, that's where you can get your iPhone covers, your, um, mm -hmm. your t-shirts. Um, th th they're so well done. They're very artistic. Thank and, you, um, all those, all those proceeds go to um, one hundred percent of that goes straight to our children's home yeah. and our relief efforts and our adoption fund. So it's directly connected to our NPO, and it just it's so helpful for for us to continue the work that we're doing. It's great, and you're doing a trip to Peru, aren't you? Uh, around Thanksgiving? Yes, I yeah, that's right. So I'm going to Puerto Rico in the next few days. Um, you know, we're trying to sort that out because the airport is pretty much on shutdown right now. So we're trying. You know, we're, we're going crazy trying to find the way in, and we're going to definitely find the way in. Uh, but in November, I'm doing a trip to Peru, and we're going to be at our children's home. We're actually flying out Thanksgiving Day because you get amazing flight deals Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, Everybody baby. wants to be with their family. Um, so I'm inviting people who want to maybe sacrifice the one year at Thanksgiving and actually come be with a new family. Um, our children's home in Peru, we're going to do a big festivity there. Um, it's going to be amazing. And then we're going to be there for a week. Good food, good people. We're going to be in the slums in some of the most the poorest places in all of South America. Um, we're going to do some church meetings. We're going to do some um, festivities. It's going to be great. So anybody can join us. Again, everything at happysunship.com. The top bar starts with like nonprofit, magazine, missions trip, etc. They can find all the info. There. All right, folks, happysonship.com. And I mean, Thanksgiving meal, you don't even want to do that. All you're going to do is talk about politics with your family and you're going to get into fights <laughs> and throw food and your uncle's getting get a drunk and, you know, so uh, skip all that. Go to go to Peru instead with Carlos. That would so, be awesome. That would be awesome. Okay, my friend. Uh, gosh, I really appreciate you. Appreciate your Dude, work, your amazing. ministry. You're amazing. And I, I'm excited. Just so everybody knows, the next time Steve and I speak, it'll be at my podcast talking about his book. So that's going to come up soon. Yeah, baby. Can't wait for that. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, Carlos. Uh, thank you, my friend. And yeah. uh, peace to you. Peace to you, brother. Love you. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Ween's Author. 
Twitter at Steve Weens and Instagram at Steve Weens. And you can find all my work, all my books, the show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, steveweens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash this good word. Suburban